Playoff bound. Feels great, baby, as one of my former favorite quarterbacks said. Matt Baker, Nick Kowalski back on first and now. Uh, Lions stifling Trey Ford in the Edmonton Elks last week. Uh, big one home opportunity chance to clinch a home playoff game against Saskatchewan. And we're back here on the podcast to talk about it all. And Nick, yes, that's all we heard last week was how uh, this Lions defense uh, wasn't playing like it was at the start of the year. How Trey Ford was going to cause all these problems. And we saw none of that. RP's unit was having none of that. We're going to hear from Ryan Phillips on this episode. But Nick, I know you got some great shots as always. How are you? And what was your view on that excellent win? Yeah, definitely feeling great after that victory. Uh, always nice to clinch a playoff berth uh, with with that coming too. But yeah, seven sacks. Um, this unit's been, they've proven to be capable of doing that kind of performance before. And uh, it was very impressive against Trey Ford. It was really the talk of the league and obviously going wild this last month with his legs and really didn't see any of that until the final drive. I think he had about, what was it, like a dozen yards rushing prior to that final drive. And then I think he tripled that. or Finished with 43, I believe. Yeah, yeah but on two garbage time rushes, right? Once yeah. it was a two-score game at the end there. So, uh, yeah, fantastic win. It really, uh, I know this unit believes in itself, but it really talk the talk and walk the walk on, on, on Friday night in Edmonton. Yeah, you, you mentioned the sacks, including one by Sione Tiuhema to seal the deal late on the Elks' final third down uh, push uh, before the Lions ultimately iced it with uh, the Sean White field goal, his second or third field goal, I guess it was, of the night. Um, four additional tackles for loss. I know you go through your old box score there on, on CFL.ca. And loading up the box and had a consistent rush going. And really, when Ford escaped or when they dumped off a short pass to to one of the receivers or even the running back, Kevin Brown, it just seemed like the tacklers were there swarming them all around, not letting them pick up that yards after the catch. And making shortening the field was a big part of it. Field position is always key. Lions course offensively come out firing a seven play scoring drive where VA went six of six, I believe it was. Um, lead 21-7. And then, you know, really the only thing that kept Edmonton in it were those ill-timed turnovers. Couple of Adams interceptions. Uh, Taquan Mizell uh, losing a fumble, which led to some elk points. Um, but thankfully, uh, the offense just kept pounding away and Nice little game for Smoke, over 100 yards, but we're crediting the defense when really all three phases deserve kudos. And even Terry Williams, I thought he was going to take another one back to the house so close. in that first half. But uh, sounds cliche, but a good team win. And as a result, this team's officially heading to the playoffs. Yeah, you said it best. Uh, Smoke Mizell going for over 100 yards in the game, a big 48-yard touchdown to kind of pull away when it, when it was really back and forth there in the third quarter. And um, he's someone who's, I mean, he's he's been the RB1 all season, right? And he's someone this coaching staff's believed in right from training camp. And um, he's suddenly up, approaching 1,000 rushing yards on the season too, right? So he's, a, he's had a fantastic year. And I know some people are questioning the run game, but I mean, when you have several performances like that now against uh, an Edmonton team, um, Smoke Mizell has definitely proven to be one of the better running backs this season in the CFL. And yeah, it was it was it was a really clutch performance too for for the whole run game, the whole offensive line too. 
Yeah, and considering they made the switch, David Neville started at, at left guard with Andrew Pearson as the extra. And what was encouraging about the ground attack for me is that's the production they're going to have to have from here on in, especially when they go outside. Uh, have to go into Hamilton uh, in a couple of weeks from now, October the 13th, Friday the 13th in Hamilton. Hopefully that will be a scary one uh, for the Tiger Cats. But that... Um, you know, may have to go outside potentially uh, in a Western final. Lions, again, will officially lock up a home playoff date, would either be the Western semi or the Western final, but very much in the driver's seat for first place. Have a big one, the Gravy Bowl with Winnipeg in town. Lions and Bombers tied at 10-4. and four. We'll talk about the other games going on in Week 17 before we're out of here, but yeah, that's the template they're going to have to have going forward here as these games are going to feel more and more like real playoff games every week that goes on here. Yeah, and at the same time, though, I think this offense is being comfortable with an air raid. They've proven they could win games like that. Vernon obviously comes short of 300 yards on Friday night, but uh, I mean, I don't know if we're teasing something here, but we have. I, I think we have the best receiving core in the league right now, and it, it, it's, it's scary that this uh, late-season addition go with is, that. is looming. Um, and, and Mr. Dominique Grimes, who... Uh, had a fifteen, I think it was fifteen hundred yards last season, right around that range. Just let the league on, let the league on fire last season. So um, this, I, it's encouraging though when you see a team win through the air and, and air it out and come back again, like a game against Ottawa where they strictly had to rely on the passing game. But then last Friday, it's a lot of the ground game that's winning in. It's a lot of the short passes you saw. I mean, Justin McKinnis's touchdown was a flat caught for a touchdown. Uh, Javon Katoy's was a flat where he gets like 50 yards of yak, uh, throws up the peace sign in the process too from Big Cat. Um, so this offense is doing it in a lot of ways right now, and it's that that's what we're gonna need come playoff time, right? It's gonna be it's gonna be there's no easy games in the playoffs, so it's gonna you need your A plus. No no easy games at any any point of the year really, and yeah, uh, Dominique Grimes 1401 was the total a year ago. Uh, digging into my secret back-end files that the general public can't see because for whatever reason uh previous year's stats are a bit of a <laughs> a little elusive right now we'll we'll leave it at that but and we're expecting rhymes back um his six games on the injured list are up uh, you heard coach rick last week saying the plan is to get the ferrari out of the garage next week and next week is here we're recording this on a monday start of the week uh, was a walkthrough format practice to start a lot of that is uh, guys uh, healing from things, getting late in the year. You want to be fresher as the week goes on and gets longer. So uh, who knows what the true reps would have been if it was a full practice, but Rhymes was out there taking part with the starting offense. Uh, guys like Suk Chung, speaking of the offensive line, uh, Suk Chung, maybe Dane Evans even, those guys are going to have to get some work done in order to be activated. Uh, I would expect Suk uh, maybe gets a week off, but we shall see what day two and three of the practice week can hold. So maybe it's a situation where Mr. Pearson works his way back into the starting lineup and uh, you have him and Neville uh, at the guard positions. But we'll we'll worry about the depth chart when it comes out. But yeah, uh, best receiving core in the league. Uh, you said it. I'll agree with it. Some people in different markets may have an issue with it, but uh, we're saying it. Uh, Hollins is likely to hit 1,000 yards this week, maybe Keon Hatcher as well. And, uh, yeah, as as much as I'm talking about how important this running game has to be, yeah, the Lions have the skill position players, Nick, to really 
compete with anyone for this Grey Cup chase. Well, it's funny, if we're, and if we're saying that too, based on just numbers alone, this BC offense is averaging over 305 passing yards a game. No, yeah. other, no other offense is averaging over 292 yards passing a game. So it's kind of proof in the pudding right there that uh, this Lions attack is deadly. And then also looking back to Friday, like shout out, like David Neville, like you said, making his first start. And you're looking back at both the Taquan Mizell's rushing touchdowns. And it's it's Neville and Couture with, with this excellent blocks that allow Mizell to go on touch into the end zone. Um, McKinnis also getting involved in the blocking game too, something that's been underrated. He plays... McInnes is a gunner. Uh, McInnes uh, blocks gunners now on punts now too, right? So he's he plays special yeah. teams as well and plays a role in that. Um, so yeah, it's it's not just Taquan Mizell sprinting because he's wide open. It's because offensive linemen are getting him wide open, and it's, that's the beauty of a football player, right? Is that it's all twelve guys executing their their job and and getting it done when it on the field, right? So, but yeah, it's it's encouraging stuff though from the stretch run here. Yeah, we'll talk more about the defense. Uh, we'll talk more about this upcoming game with Saskatchewan, uh, orange shirt day game. Uh, plenty of outstanding uh, initiatives uh, being planned for that. Uh, head to our website, bclions.com. Some great videos at our YouTube channel. But uh, to me, uh, a play that kind of ended up flying under the radar. Remember the Lions uh, leading 24-17 at the half. Uh, the Elks get a field goal missing a single to start the second half, and that was a drive where they just couldn't seem to be stopping anybody. But luckily, they don't break. There's that old saying again, Ben, don't break. Uh, field goal missed by Dean Faithful. The Lions have, I think, two straight two and outs to start and then held Edmonton again. And then they come out facing a second and 10 on their side of midfield and uh, VA with a great throw hits... Uh, hits Alex Hollins on a bit of a seam route, and that kept the drive going. That was right before Smoke went for his second one. So Alex Hollins, uh, on the stat sheet, maybe not the last two games what he's been doing lately, but that was a big play by him. That, w that was a play, too, that in live time, I didn't realize how great of a throw that was. That's why I, I like to watch the, the broadcast um, back on the next day. I actually... Uh, no free ads here, but a, but a very good restaurant or a chain restaurant opened up literally beside my apartment on this past week. So I picked up a, a nice uh, to-go bowl from that place and rewatched the game on TSN the next morning. But that second down, yeah, it's second and 10. And I know I'll open up a can of worms of the whole MLP debate there, but that, that play right there, there's few quarterbacks who, one, have the, the guts to make that throw in, into, that, into that window, but there's also two the actual talent to throw that ball as hard as they can, put it in the literally the only spot it can be for a reception. Uh, and Vernon Adams Jr. making that awesome, awesome play to to get a first down there, right? And then yeah, the very the, you said the very next play, it smoked Mizell's rushing touchdown. So um, Vernon he did it with his legs too in that game. There's a couple second and longs where where Vernon yeah. picked up some some key first downs even in the fourth quarter there to extend their final drive before uh, chewing up some more clock, right? So. Uh, but yeah, that 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 play to Holland's just a unbelievable throw, and there's been a couple of those this season that come to mind with Vernon, where he just puts it in that that window where exactly where it has to be. Yeah, Vernon, uh, 54 rushing yards uh, on seven carries, uh, longest was 18. Uh, I think that one you're alluding to, and outdueling uh, Trey Ford on the ground. Uh, but speaking of Holland's, uh, we caught up with uh, Batman. We talk about the Batman nickname and. About uh, the big win is big catch uh, and a big challenge against Saskatchewan. 
we're in the line of fire here, but we're we're stuck. We're talking uh, to Ali B, Alex Hollins, Batman. Some people call him. Who started the Batman thing? My mama gave me a name when I was a when I was a kid, a real little kid. I just love Batman. I always I would be jumping around, climbing on the couches and stuff on the walls, breaking stuff. So she gave she gave me she gave me Batman when I was a kid. So if you're bat, who's your favorite Batman villain? Batman. Just Batman. No, no, Joker, Penguin, none of those guys? Nah, none of them. Batman. Batman. All about Batman. I love it. Well, uh, you had a Cape Crusader-like performance. A big catch for you on a second down to keep a drive going in the second half in Edmonton. Um, you know, the offense needed something at that point. Ultimately, Smoke gets his second touchdown after. How big was that play, though? That was big because um, I think it was second and long. Second if I'm not and second. Ten. Yeah, yeah, second and ten. So, um... You, you just never know when you got to be that player to make that play. And we all, our group, we all are big-time players, you know what I'm saying? So um, for me to make that catch and then the very next play, smoke popping up the middle with like a 40, 50-yard touchdown. So that was great, man. You know, we, we, we just got to execute and make big plays. And so that's what, that's what we did as an offense on that drive. A big uh, talking point after the win was, uh, as always, VA, a uh, couple turnovers, but he just stays in there, bounces back, comes up big when it counts. How impressed are you with him? Uh, very impressed, man. You know him, himself as a you know as a quarterback. You know, uh, you know, you know. You hate the throws that he misses out on, or he or he makes an interception. But for him to continue to to go on after making those mistakes and, and continue to make big plays for us, to continue to be a leader for us, like on the field, vocally, and um, on the sideline as well. You know, that's big time. That's a that's a player any team would love to have, and we're fortunate to have that guy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Saskatchewan here, third and final meeting. Couple close ones with them. Uh, what uh, type of a challenge do they pose defensively? Here's a couple other superheroes walking toward us as well. Yeah. <laughs> they go look here right there. But uh, look at them. Got a gumball head. There you go. But yeah, uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna come in and they're not gonna they're not gonna be a team that's gonna want to bow down. So we can't take them can't take this game like it's gonna be a cakewalk game or easy game. We just gotta come in and um, execute. Last time we played them, it's a few plays that we missed out on that we wish that we can get back. You know, we all as players wish we can get some plays back, but uh, we can't think about that now. We just gotta focus on now, this week, and focus on them. And when the game comes, we're just gonna execute all night long. Almost a year ago, you make your CFL debut. And I think the weather today kind of kind of shows that the weather, summer's over, yeah. it's, it's crunch time. Does it, are, you, are you kind of more prepared for this? You know, you're a Mississippi guy, but you've, you've experienced the Canadian, at least cold spell in November, but are you feeling more prepared this time around? Yeah, I feel more prepared. Honestly, you know what's crazy is, you know, I'm from Mississippi, so it don't get as cold there, you know, but um, when I left Mississippi, I went to EIU, so I was in Illinois. Then I went to the Vikings, Minnesota, and I went to the Browns in Cleveland. So uh, not here, so I just been in the cold ever since I left um, Mississippi, but I just hate the cold with a passion. So I just got to deal with it. Deal with it for two hours, three hours, and I go get back warm. <laughs> well, let's talk about the good times then, because I know you're someone who really enjoys uh, the outdoors here in Vancouver. So what, what were some of the highlights of your summer off the field? Man, um, really just hanging with the guys. You know, I love going for walks, uh, just going for walks, listening to music, finding a spot to sit at downtown in, um, in a downtown area by one of those parks or a beach or something. Uh, Olympic Village, just finding a spot to sit by the water, watch the sunset. And yeah, that's what I like to do the most. Now, be honest, what was your gross grind time? Was my what? You were on the gross grind. I uh, was re-watching the, oh, yeah, the Ottawa yeah, yeah, game. Yeah. 38 minutes, what? Uh, I forgot. <laughs> what 
you, how'd you, you, you're, I think, uh, yeah, in my peak, my peak shape, uh, 50, 51, something like that. Not anymore. I'm lucky if I'm an hour five now, but. Yeah. Oh, no, it's about the, uh, the gross mountain? The gross grind, yeah. The... Oh, no, no, no. We didn't hike it. We, uh. Oh, you, just, you just took the picture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. You made it look like you were hiking no, we it. We weren't hiking. We took the, uh, the little things up. Hey, the gondola. The gondola. All right. Heck no. Yeah, yeah. We took those up. Nah, we weren't hiking that. Nah, my, uh, one of my friends from college and his dad, they came to visit me. And, um, we had, uh, went to Bowen Island and, uh, we went to the gross mountain and checked that out. And that's why they were doing, like, the lumberjack activities and stuff. And they had the bears out there. So, yeah. That was pretty cool. Next time, a good training regimen for sure. Uh, take a hike up. Uh, listen, Alex, I got a feeling that Commissioner Gordon bat phone is going to be ringing here. Uh, they're going to be calling on you. So uh, let's go get another dub. Yeah, get another win. There you go. Ali B, Batman. Uh, the bat phone uh, will be put to use, I think, uh, like I was saying at the end there. And... Um, that's a guy who's just developed into a solid player, but a very good presence in the locker room on the practice field. Guys are singing, dancing, having a good time before they have to buckle down and get serious and focus on their assignments. Just a great presence to have. And this is one storyline that I think maybe wasn't really featured in or like the public eye didn't catch us. Maybe if you're sitting behind our bench, but um, when the times were getting tough, Alex Holland's vocally stepped up as a leader. You see, we we kind of showcase it on our on our social media channels of Holland's being like, yeah, the fun, energetic kind of. No, I don't want to say goofy, but kind of just vibrant character in the, in the locker room and on the field, right? But it was Holland's uh, talking to Keon Hatcher to say like, hey, like don't worry, like we all got you because there was a there's a play I know Hatch probably wants back on that drive too. Um, before that, that touchdown by Mizell. but I think Hall, yeah, Holland's is a guy who's really stepped up. It's it's crazy to think that a year ago. That, Today, he was on the practice roster without a CFL game to his name, but yeah. he's come a long way in, in 365 days here, right? So uh, he's approaching 1,000 yards, like you said, and I'm, I'm excited to, to capture him do it. Yeah, and uh, we'll get him actually going up the gross grind one of these yeah. days. I, uh, <laughs> I am very confident uh, in that. So Holland's in the offense. Uh, if those watching this podcast, uh, the rain coming down on Monday, let's hope uh, the wet weather doesn't uh, play too much of a, a negative effect on the offense and trying to stay in a rhythm. Or maybe it's a good thing uh, practicing in these elements because you don't know uh, what to, you're going to run into as we get closer and closer to November. Uh, the weather forecast for game day, though, Nick, looking a little nicer. So yep. 7.30 kickoff, uh, but maybe we'll have a clear night and an open roof at BC Place. Save on Foods Field is the venue. Uh, let's talk about the defense again. Uh, saw Ryan Phillips listening to a bit of the post-game show uh, online with Moj and Julio on Saturday. Uh, a lot of credit to Ryan Phillips uh, and his game plan. Seeing some of the Edmonton uh, media guys, Dave Campbell, Morley Scott, pointing that out as well. Uh, maybe that's a roadmap for future teams to uh, to use because I think it's safe to say that Trey Ford is the future and the present with the Elks. But yep. we're going to talk uh, to defensive coordinator Ryan Phillips, decked out in his own rain gear again for those watching this episode uh, about the defensive effort in Edmonton. Well, RP, uh, what was the template and what went into keeping Mr. Ford in check there on Friday night? 
Uh, it was really just more so about just being disciplined more than anything. Um, understanding our personnel, understanding our strengths, and still wanting to play to that um, as far as being fast and then wanting to be physical. Um, but we didn't want to lay off on him as far as like everybody playing off and let him just run around and hope for dear life. You know, we still want to put the pressure to him by still being able to play to our, you know, our strengths. So, you know, we just went out there and exemplified, you know, our intangibles. And those guys, you know, definitely deserve all the credit because the discipline that our defense played with was definitely second to none. Uh, anything on film that you've watched since that uh, maybe you didn't pick up on that you liked or want to improve on? Yeah, I mean, there's always things you want to improve on, whether it's just tackling, you know, some of the disciplines and things like that, penalties at the wrong time, uh, you know, those are things that you can't afford to have, especially going into this playoff run. So, you know, those are always things that we want to continue to get better at. You know, you want to stay healthy as possible. But the great thing that I did see is the fact that even when we had injuries, guys stepped up. You know, we had to move some guys around and, and things like that. And that was huge for our ball club. So that way now it, you know, kind of uplifts the confidence that we have another guy so our depth definitely came out which was huge and I expect number greater things from this point on um, speaking of injuries I think the plan is to have Bo Lacombo back this week uh, just your thoughts on that and how quickly he is healed up and getting him back for the final four. Oh, that's huge. I mean, you know, this is a, a guy that is definitely a veteran on our team, a guy that was having a great season um, until his injury. Uh, and I expect nothing but, you know, a great bounce back for him. So, you know, he's always going to be a big part of our defense. Um, you know, he's one of the most, most versatile guys in the league. So he's definitely going to come back, make his presence feel felt, and uh, we're going to make sure we put him in a position to be successful. Uh, we're doing this in the rain for those watching this uh, podcast, uh, West Coast in the autumn. Uh, does it give you the idea, though, RP, that these games are heating up and we're entering the fun time? Oh, yeah, for sure. Anytime the weather chain comes, you know, you definitely know what to expect, right? You know, you got a few games left. Uh, we control our own destiny, which is huge. It's something that we speak about, but we got to take it one game at a time. But, you know, when the weather changes, you know it's time of real football. You know, it's definitely going to be a time for us to step up and meet the challenge. Whether that's physically, mentally, whatever that may be, we're going to make sure that we put our best foot forward and it's expect nothing but the best things ahead of us, and I expect a big win to come uh, this Friday. When it comes back to the game plan on Friday, RP, uh, I was, I'm watching the TSN broadcast and the panel's giving you love. Like they're saying, RP's game plan shutting down Trey Ford. And uh, I'm not asking you to take credit yourself for everything. There's a lot more that goes into it. But at the same time, are you proud, uh, along with Coach Brown, Coach uh, Bowman, and Coach and Coach Tanya, are you proud of the game plan you guys put forth to shut down Edmonton? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely proud when things actually come in, you know what I'm saying, in full circle, right? You know, you have great ideas and things like that, but it's nothing until you execute it. And I tell everybody, you know, we can put a get, put together X's and O's, but we don't play. And still the credit goes to the players. You know, we want to put guys in position where they can play to their strengths, and those guys went out there and did that. So, you know, you see some guys stick out a little bit more than others, but it was a team effort. You know, even though one guy maybe didn't get the sack, maybe another guy cut Trey Ford off or whatever the case may be, and he was the actual guy that actually made the play. So, you know, I'll definitely, you know, say that, you know, the credit isn't really to us we just got to you know put a format together and those guys go out and execute and I'm definitely proud of the performance that they put on you know on that day looking ahead to Sask too uh, the last matchup you guys had with the Riders it was it was very intense from field level Baker and I definitely noticed that whether it was Sione EGP everybody getting really physical is that something that um, you're looking that to repeat on on Friday here yeah, I mean, that's going to be our focus, right? We want to make sure that we stay in attack mode. And, you know, whatever that looks like, we got to make sure that we execute it. So, you know, they're definitely playing for their playoff lives. You know, we expect them to come out, be aggressive. But while we're being aggressive, we got to be disciplined. You know, we can't sit up there and interact with things that are going to, you know, basically be a detriment to our team. So, you know, we can do, go ahead and be physical with our pads and make sure that, you know, we execute, make sure we make the big play. You know, they'll give us some opportunities to make those. And I expect us to go ahead and play playoff football from this point on. Playoff football, uh, we like that. RP, uh, thanks for taking the time, and uh, yeah, i got to get one of these raincoats. That's sharp. Oh, yeah, man, this is throwback, though, so, you yeah. know, anybody that needs that, this is gone. This is straight, straight for me. Tape over any competing logos, yeah. as always. For sure, that's it, that's it.
There it is, RP, and uh, you know uh, the boys. You can just feel it, the defensive backs, uh, especially the uh, the chatterboxes of that group. But the whole defense, you know, they hear it. They, you know, a lot of the prognosticators saying that maybe this was ripe for a a disappointment or uh, or a tough game, and it was a tough game. Came down to inside three minutes again, Nick. Like we've been seeing lately across the entire league, not just with our games, but. Uh, when that unit brings pressure, when they get to the quarterback uh, and eliminate those possibilities for the opposition, good things are going to happen. And um, that was great for RP in the defense. 100%. And it's not like you're going to pitch a shutout every game and the opposition is going to score points where Trey Ford's an elite talent. And um, I know one thing RP um, preaches to his defense is that if if they're going to make a catch, like you have to make them earn it. And I think about, there was a play at the end of the second quarter actually where um, Ford hit. I want to say it was Mitchell over the middle, and Marcus Sales got there right when the right when he got the hands on the ball, mm-hmm. and Marcus Sales delivered a quite a big blow, like he's underratedly does from time to time. Um, and the ball the ball came loose. We challenged it, but it was ultimately real to catch, right? But yeah, that's I think that's the epitome of that. Wasn't that, sure about that. Is that Sale? But Sales made him earn it. Like he, he Sales put a lick on him, right? And um, I think that's that's the mentality this defense has, and. Um, another thing about this game too is uh, what I was cutting up my my game recap the the road in five here. Um, I, we always use Bob Marjanovic's play by play, and like any good pl- radio play by play person does, Moj bef- right before the ball is snapped, he's always stating how many guys are rushing the passer. So he always says, uh, "Lions bring four, Lions bring five But the thing about RP's game plan that was uh, you could tell just by how Moj was calling it was that Moj was having to correct himself. He's saying Lions bring three. Oh no, here's four, here's five because you have Adrian Green coming yeah. up. You have Quincy Moger blitzing out of these all these different spots. You have Matthew Betts blitzing as up from a linebacker spot. Like just a, such a good game plan too and it led to those seven sacks, right? And now this is the Lions unit. Now that's second in the league in sacks this season too. So uh, kudos to RP and the defense is my my long point there. Yeah, and a couple more for Matthew Betts. 14 now, so very much again within striking distance of Brent Johnson's Canadian record, which is also shared by Jamal Westerman. Three more to match those two. All right, uh, let's talk about Saskatchewan here. Uh, this Ryder team reeling a little bit uh, Coming back down to earth in a big way after defeating Winnipeg in overtime uh, on Labor Day weekend, they go into Winnipeg and, and get manhandled 51-6. to And their most recent defeat uh, was uh, one in Ottawa. Uh, turnovers, uh, the big key in that one, I think, uh, from what I watched about it. Of course, that game was played right before us in Edmonton, so I did not get the chance to watch closely, but... Uh, brushing up a little bit on it. Um, this is a Saskatchewan team. Uh, the last few weeks, really, things just aren't going their way, Nick. Uh, we know injuries have, have played a role in it, but, you know, we've seen uh, we've seen their the third quarterback they've used, Jake Dolagala, uh, had some success against us in Regina in August. But um, this is, again, another situation where this Lions team simply can't look at the other team's record because... The Riders are desperate. Uh, they still have a very a slimmer of a hope uh, for s- keeping with us as far as a home game race goes. But uh, they don't even have the X next to their name yet. They have some work to do there to actually clinch a playoff spot. No Western team can clinch this week, by the way. We can clinch the home game. But, yeah, this is another one where uh, we're going to expect uh, an angry opponent. 
Yeah, and I think if you want to look back to the positives, the positives with this Riders team is, yeah, you look back to that August 20th matchup against us where um, I think being objective, they were the more physical team, at least in the first half of that game, and it led to... Came a, out aggressive. Yeah, yep. it led to a, quite a bit of uh, a wide lead for the Riders, right? And, they, and that was based off forcing turnovers, uh, high-pointing balls, I think, of MLS or Samuel MLS, the receiver there. He was high-pointing balls all game, and it, it led to Highlight several... Highlight real stuff. Yeah, it's led to several big-time plays for him, right? That changed the, the course of that game. So, um, uh, again, this defense knows... Uh, that they have to come out ready from snap one, right? And because the this Riders team's proved they can bring it, and they'll they'll capitalize off the mistakes that you make, right? So uh, we talked to RP about this too. Is uh, that that Gary Peter Samuel Emelis battle? I'm I'm so ready for round, I'm so ready for round two. Um, so I'm gonna have my eyes peeled to that one because they matched up a lot uh, back on on August twentieth and. Yeah, it, sh- it should be. The, I find that when we play the Riders, it's maybe the most physical game there is yeah. in terms of our, in terms of our opponents. So, um, if you like, if you like pads banging, this this is the game for you. And you look uh, the first meeting, the nineteen nine Lion win here in late July. That was they came out aggressive again, and then that was the night Vernon Adams yep. Jr. went down. Dane Evans came in and engineered the only touchdown of the night, and it was enough in, in a solid physical defensive battle but um you mentioned MLS guys like Kean Schaefer Baker they are strong uh, on the ground and in the return game so this improved Lions coverage units we were talking about this is going to be a test this Lions team just has to play a full 60 at home you know as great and as exciting the comeback was against Ottawa that's not how you want to do it every week you're not always going to that's like a one in a hundred type of comeback we witnessed against Ottawa not discrediting it, but those are the facts. And the home game before that uh, against Hamilton, uh, that just was not the Lions' night uh, in any perspective at all. So uh, I'm looking for them to start fast, and I'm looking for them to keep the foot on the gas because we want to establish uh, our home as a fortress because, again, uh, we know we're going to have a home playoff game if we get this win, if we win one more down the stretch. Yeah, and I think I, I was thinking back to that that first meeting we had on it was July twenty second against. Yeah, I, I know my day. We both know our dates for every game. It's kind of it was after our first bye week. I was actually talking with a friend the other day, just getting off topic here, but <laughs> I I correctly listed all of our games and the dates from last year. So I, I have that. Yeah, that. we did we did that in, Regi- that in, in Regina at our uh, in twenty twenty one. Stephen and Chang and I did it too, right? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, we, we had that weeks ago, Nick. So, but good for, that's good for you though. But yeah, July 22nd against the Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders, uh, which is the 19-9 game uh, at BC Place. Uh, you look at guys like Woody Barron had a sack and I had a big TFL. Uh, Sione had another one, 200 Jamal Morrow. Cause they, that, that whole D line and that, and that win over Saskatchewan, they erased Jamal Morrow and the entire Saskatchewan yep. run game. Right. And that was huge. Um, but even like just focusing on Woody here, like. He has seven snacks, sacks in the season now. Maybe the quietest. Shelby place. Avenue you're talking about? Yes, Woody Shelby Barron, Avenue. Yeah. Probably the quietest seven sacks in the yeah. season. Like we're talking Willie Jefferson has eight. Willie Jefferson and Woody Barron both have you talk about Yeah, season, we, so. we talk about the, the guys uh, on the bookends, Sione and Betts. Um, even a guy linebackers getting involved, right? You know, you've seen Ben Halatic with, with a couple of quarterback sacks. Quincy Moje. Quincy uh, Moje. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, those guys in the interior, just something about them. They just do their thing. They don't always show up on the stat sheet. Um, what he is now, though. Moj, but Moj says it best. They don't always make the tackle, but they make the play. Mm-hmm. 
uh, guys like Josh Banks, uh, Thibaut Debaye in in the rotation, and and that's good. Woody Barron was a guy that they were very excited to get in free agency in 2022, but uh, had his ankle injury, couldn't get onto the roster till partway through the year, and and it's been great to see him healthy. And we said that in camp, yeah, a healthy Woody Barron is is going to be a difference this time around. So, um, yeah, those guys are going to be uh, big as it's playoff-type football here, continuing uh, for the 10-4 and four Lions. Uh, let's go around the CFL, shall we, before we're done? Right before us, so we're going to be, I would say, I'm not sure we're going to be as glued to this game as we would have maybe a couple of weeks ago, but it's still very key. Toronto is in Winnipeg, so the Argos uh, not taking their foot off the gas against Hamilton, just, uh, just completely ran them out of... The stadium, at least uh, from the, I, I caught a good chunk of that game, uh, a big pick six early on, and Chad Kelly uh, continued to make his pace. But uh, I, I would still say they're going to get up for this one in Winnipeg, though, because they want to prove to Winnipeg that who the best team in this league is right now. Um, Toronto is clearly at the top, and you can make a case for us and the Bombers being neck and neck right behind. But a Winnipeg loss here, Nick. It opens the door. I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but it's the scenario. We have to say it. A Winnipeg loss here would actually open the door for this Lions team with a win on Friday and then a win over Winnipeg. Could have Clint first place. Clinched. Crazy. Like, who would have thought that two, three weeks ago? That um, We knew this October 6th Winnipeg game was just going to be massive. And again, we're, not gonna, we're just going to lay out the scenario as it is. We don't make the rules here. We're going to focus on Saskatchewan, but... Uh, still pretty intrigued to see Winnipeg duke it out with Toronto coming off a bye, uh, those Bombers are. But again, not quite the situation uh, as it was a few weeks ago where you thought, okay, we need Winnipeg to lose one before we play them. It's not the case at all. Yeah, and then looking ahead to October 6th, no matter what happens this week, the Winnipeg-BC October 6th matchup, the winner of that game is going to end the night in first place in the West. Yes. Um, but yeah, there is, like you said, a possibility where it's it's a clinching, clinching situation for one of these teams uh, next week, which is super exciting as well. Uh, but yeah, Toronto-Winnipeg, is, is Andrew Harris going to make his return to Winnipeg? He didn't dress last um, week. I read he was placed on the six-game injured list. So, so it sounds like it's getting yeah. even more, well, maybe not even delayed. It might not even happen at all. Is this all. his last year? Yeah, so... Sad, but they had a new running back, McMahon, who looked didn't fit right into the Argos' offense. Uh, so they they were resting a couple guys right last week. AJ Olette also didn't play for the Argos, so I'm Correct. still still curious to see how they balance out their their roster with that. I know um, a couple guys went down for the Argos too last week. I know Sean Oakman was one. So um, interesting to see that it's we've talked about it. They have first place clinched up, and it's still September. So to see how they navigate the final month of their season. You think uh, Chad Kelly's going to get a rest at some point, uh, maybe in the next couple weeks? At some point. They don't have some any... sort, yeah. No more buys left for them in the regular season, right? They they were done their buys uh, by early September. So 5 o'clock Pacific. Uh, we'll be paying attention, uh, keeping a close eye on that one. Lions and Riders, uh, the game two of the doubleheader. Again, 7.30 kickoff, done with the 4 o'clocks at least until the playoffs. I think the playoff games start at 3.30, the semifinal and the division final. Saturday. Saturday. I'm loving that. Same. Absolutely loving it. And we shift over to Saturday. Once again, it's a doubleheader Saturday. Montreal in Ottawa. Uh, the Alouettes, Sean Lemon. What can you say? Uh <laughs> Big interception, uh, was all over the place. Almost had another turnover after that, I think, 
The Alouettes just stifling Calgary 28-11. So they're once again back in control as far as second place in the East. Montreal in Ottawa, of course, we talked about the Red Blacks hanging on, and you thought against Saskatchewan, can they possibly blow another one here? Didn't happen. Ottawa 4-10, and but still very much uh, with their backs against the wall. They just have to win the rest of their games and get some help. So we'll see uh, if the Alouettes, uh, first and foremost, uh, can get motivated after a big win in Calgary, snapping their four-game skid. Yeah, shout out to Lemonator. Also had a, like a walk-off sack, pretty much, uh, to end Calgary's kind of final comeback bid in that win last week. But I think we, we were, we've kind of said this all season, that Montreal's record doesn't really reflect how strong of a team they are. I think, right. they're, I think they're right up there. They're and balanced, yeah. Yeah, so um, this is a game that they have to have, though, right, if they want to put away uh, a, a team that's below them in their own division and also do wonders and clinching a home playoff game, right? I think they meet up with the Tycats one more time this year, but if you go to last game of the year, they yeah, play. If you go yeah. to eight and seven, you're, you're looking pretty. And I think they already have, they already have a pair of wins over the Tycats too, if I'm not mistaken Yeah, from earlier in the season. So yeah, they're sitting pretty if they win this game and for Ottawa, it's yeah, the, the playoffs started for the Red Blocks last week. They, they won their first game of the playoffs and now it's keep rolling. And Montreal's last win before beating Calgary was in Ottawa. The Caleb Evans uh, touchdown scramble. We watched that at, uh, Victoria's Tavern. Sneaky uh, game of the year. Our favorite uh, road watering hole, if you will, in Saskatchewan. So, yeah, Montreal 7-7, and and, uh, no doubt the the pressure has been eased in the Alouettes uh, camp uh, following that one. So that's 1 o'clock our time. It all wraps up Week 17, Calgary in Hamilton. So the Stampeders uh, coming. That's Dave Dickinson teams coming off a bye. You don't normally see that lack of execution, but maybe it's just not Calgary's year. Calgary in Hamilton. The Tiger Cats are 6-8 and eight after falling in Toronto, and uh, I got an early look at the, the scenarios, playoff scenarios. A Hamilton win here would eliminate a Western Division crossover possibility, so something to keep in mind, and yeah, Taylor Powell, uh, you have to give him a mulligan because he's done an admirable job filling in for for Bo Levi Mitchell and Matt Schiltz, but this would normally be Bo Levi's first game against his former team, but that's not going to happen. Hamilton doesn't go to Calgary this year, so again, when do you see that uh, reunion, that return? But um, we shall see. Um, yeah, does does Calgary find uh, their way against a tough Tiger Cat team now? I'm not so sure, Nick. I'm done trying to figure yeah. out the Hamilton Tiger Cats because they, they come in here, play an A-plus game against us, uh, obviously get the win. They host Winnipeg. Although it was a one-possession game, the Ticats dominated Winnipeg. And then they get dominated by the Argos last week. So uh, they definitely have a high variance. Um, I think there, there are still positives to take away from the Ticats, right, if you're looking at it that way. And then for Calgary's sake, you say you're not used to seeing them come off, take a loss after a bye. I'm not used to seeing a Dave Dickinson team have two losses beside its name in the win-loss column when it comes to their 4-10 mm-hmm. and 10 record, right? So uh, just a disappointing season for the Stampeders so far. I mean, they still they still have a chance to save it and sneak in um, despite a 4-10 and 10 record right now, but... It's kind of now or never. Yep. Now or never uh, for a lot of teams. Uh, thankfully, again, uh, this BC Lions team banked enough wins in the first half of the season in the last couple of weeks. Playoff bound. It's a special one, Nick. Our Orange Shirt Day game, third annual. It's presented by Prospera, BC Hydro, and uh, Layuna Local 16 
11. Uh, the first 10,000 fans get uh, the free orange shirt with the uh, special indigenous-themed logo by Corinne Hunt. And a little twist, uh, the words mountain lion in, in the Squamish uh, language will be on there. Very cool shirts. You're going to want to get there early to get this. Uh, we have DJ Osho uh, performing some pregame entertainment. The Hallucination uh, electronic uh, rock duo performing halftime. It is the return of our indigenous marketplace. Uh, plenty of indigenous vendors getting the chance to showcase and sell their products. And we're also proud to, proud to say this is a league-wide initiative this year. First time everyone's doing this. Uh, Going to wear some orange warm-up jerseys that will be auctioned off. Uh, proceeds uh, benefiting uh, the Orange Shirt Society and the the Indian Residential School Survivors. So very cool uh, to be supporting and giving back to that and hope for a win as well. Uh, would cap it all off. Uh, should be a great night. Yeah, Friday's going to be a fun one. Um, halftime, you might see me sneak out to catch some of that performance by the Hallucination. Yeah, me I've, too. I've been listening to them a bunch lately, actually. Me too. Um, especially with our, our our marketing materials, having some of their songs featured. So I'm looking forward to that performance. Awesome. All right, well done. Uh, thank you to Ryan Phillips and Alex Hollins uh, for stopping by uh, in the rain, braving the elements. It was hailing too, actually, to add on to that. It was just kind of like, yeah, f- for those not familiar... Um, the the fall and the winter well you're used to this now sometimes you just get that cold bone chilling rain it was kind of teetering on that today but anyway uh gonna be more of those to come it just means the games are getting more important playoffs around the corner uh so be sure to subscribe rate leave a review uh thank you to you the listener above all first and now is the official lions podcast and we'll be back next week ahead of the gravy bowl